You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. One, two, three, four. Hello and welcome into the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. I'm National Recruiting Analyst Cooper Patagna alongside... Bud Elliott of Cover 3, Andrew Ivins, he is out and about. He's on his mini-moon. He's at Augusta. Bud, we can't blame him. Here we are. It's like uh, we're reminiscing from old times, the old lunchtime hour with Coop and Bud. A lot of people used to get us mixed up. We look alike, same <laughs> facial hair, same facial features. Good to have you back on, man. How you doing? Good to see you, man. I, I, if we're grading Ivins' mini-moon, I, I think Augusta is, is probably five-star, right? For the Masters. I, Augusta, when the Masters is not there, you know, just the town, probably not. Augusta practice round. Have Have you ever been? I've not. I, I, I want to go. That's what I wonder because he was, you know, we were texting yesterday. We are on a group text and he was talking about how he just spent the day kind of following Tiger and Rory and that group, Fred Couples. I think Tom Kim was in there, very random. But he was just, I was asking him like, all right, what was Tiger Woods like? And he's like, he's just intimidating intimidating presence but it's got to be a different feel i guess there's some positives and some negatives of being able to go see a practice round versus being able to see a live round right probably not as much i would say activity in a practice round you probably get to see those guys interact and and are a little bit more loose versus when you get to see them in a in a in a real setting at the masters completely different environment there no doubt. I, mean, I think in the practice round, you have some guys that are, that are trying different things as well. And may, maybe you get to see even more creativity, right? Like, hey, can can I can this shot work this week, right? How do they have this whole set up? Uh, just some interesting stuff to watch. It'd be awesome. All right, before we jump into football, Bud, who's your pick? I'm going to say one from the PGA Tour and then one from the Live Tour. You get, you get a selection from each tour. All right. Um, I'm going to go Rory for, from the PGA Tour. I, I just... I, I think he can work it there, and he's just he's been hitting the ball well. I'm, I'll take Rory from the PGA Tour. And I'll go Cam Smith just with with the putting. I I, I don't I don't think he's really lost his game. He's talked he he's talked a little bit about it this week how he's kind of struggled a little bit, but all right, I'll I'll go with. Scotty Scheffler, what a surprise. I mean, oh, wow. he's just okay. dialed in. Right. Every every time I every time you turn on the TV and you watch him play, he looks like he's playing a completely different game. So a lot of confidence in his game right now. I'll go Scotty Scheffler. Outside of that, Live Tour. I'm gonna go Brooks Kepka. Two wins on the Live Tour here recently, just winning in Orlando. I love the Live Tour dynamic, by the way. I think it's great for golf. Have you been to one? <laughs> no, absolutely not. Unless they're coming to Birmingham anytime soon, they they were in Orlando. So some guys at my golf club went. So it was you know they, they said it was okay. Wait, it's and a, see it's a that, different um, vibe. 
different vibe. I got one episode left of uh, Full Swing, and I think that's the Rory McIlroy episode, so I'm looking forward to that. All right, let's get into some football. I think our listeners are, are tired of us talking about golf. but Three minutes but, of golf. Three minutes ago. of golf every show. We got to incorporate it in there. You went to the Elite 11 Regionals in Orlando over the weekend, and you wrote a great article, High Catchers. You can find that on 247sports.com. And you mentioned you start off the article and you had a great point talking about Florida is really not known for high level arms, right? In the past, contrary to what they provide at other positions, but on display this weekend and reading through this article were some pretty intriguing names. And I know a lot of people that are going to be listening to this show want to hear your thoughts about a top two, four, seven quarterback in 2024 and the alpha dog of the event. That's Luke Cromanoak out of Benedictine Military School in Savannah, Georgia. He's committed to the Florida State Seminoles, has been since March of last year, the number 66 player in the 2024 class, a top 10 arm. And, Bud, this is a conversation that you and I had probably within the last week, trying to pod these quarterbacks, right? And this is not comparatively a strong class when you look at how it kind of stacks up against 2023. Right. We had five arms in the top 32 last year. We only have two this year in Dylan Rayola and Jaden Davis. Now, there is a group of guys outside of the top 32 that I think you put so eloquently in your article that either have the arm talent or lack production or vice versa. And one of those guys right now, maybe not from a production standpoint, but is relatively new to the position is Luke Cromanoak. So this is one of our first times in a combine setting getting to see Chroman Oak in person, your thoughts on the Florida state commit. So he, he was pretty clearly the best guy at the event. Uh, if you guys have not been to an elite 11 uh, finals or, or regional before, they have a bunch of stations that are designed really to test, uh, test you in different formats, right? D- different throws, different angles, different footwork, you know, Sometimes you're, you're, you're dodging, quote-unquote, defenders that, that, are, that are coming at you. They're, they're trying to expose weaknesses in your game and, and see how you handle all that. And you know, Luke is a guy that uh, sat behind Holden Gariner, the, the four-star quarterback who signed with Auburn uh, in, in the last class, right? And he played safety. He played running back. He played receiver, some wildcat stuff for them, and was a really good player as a basically just an athlete in, in Georgia 5A ball. And he was just clearly the best guy at the Elite 11. The, the, the athleticism is still really there. Uh, the, the coaches have these little cards, right? And they each run a station. And I think in many cases, they don't know who some of these kids actually are. It's their first exposure to them on the camp circuit. And they write down the number of like who, who did the best at the station. And in some cases, it was after like a th- one throw or two throws. Right? Okay, 322, 322, just... Uh, Cromanhoek was the dude there. He has a lot of velocity on the ball. He's got a lot of athleticism and seems to be, I think, refining his delivery a little bit and understanding how to play the position a little bit more to the extent you can judge that off in Elite 11, right? Like, I, you're not really able to, to work reads and stuff at that, but just the, the smooth, like how clean it was for a kid who, you know, used to be big arm athletic. Now he seems to be understanding a little more, a little more refinement. I think he's got a pretty natural command of the position. I mean, you watch him play. It's not like an athlete playing the quarterback position. This is a guy that feels like 
He's a very clean quarterback prospect, but he offers you multi-dimensional athleticism as well. I mean, 13-2 and two as a starter last year, uh, winning a, a state title, also completed around 65% of his passes. He was 24-3 to three in TD to INT ratio. On top of that, he can get it done on the ground as well. The comparison here, the the pro comparison since I've seen Luke Cromanoak has, and, and you can kind of talk about the position projection and all those types of uh, characteristics that that bake into the cake of saying, okay, how did we get here in terms of this is the player that we compare him to? Ryan Tannehill. He's kind of been that guy, a guy that played formerly a receiver at Texas A&M, played quarterback really progressed at the position quite naturally. And all of a sudden he's a top 10 draft pick uh, out of Texas A&M. But I mean, from a size standpoint as well, both six foot four players, Cromanoak looks like he's going to be able to add considerable amount of weight to his frame. That's kind of the guy that I see when I, when I pop on the tape. I I, I see a lot of that as well. Uh, for, for our younger listeners who, who don't know, Tannehill played receiver at A&M, right? For at least one year and then move back to quarterback. I, I think that's a really good comp. And I, I don't always love comps because it's sort of pigeonholing, but if you, if you got one that works, I, I think that that's a really good one. Um, you know, it's not saying that Cromwell Hope will will be a top 10 draft pick, but I think if you think about, you know, from a, a projectable prospect standpoint, like his 90th percentile outcome, I think certainly is that high. Uh, he, he threw last year at FSU's elite camp before he'd ever really taken a, a snap as the starter for Benedictine and he threw next to Chris Parson and I mean, Coop, it was night and day. Like he, he, the, the, the velo on his ball, the placement, the snap uh, was, was just better than what Parson had. And Parson decommitted like two weeks later. And I personally, I kind of think that's probably like, Ooh, wait, this guy's a year younger than me is, is committed here. He's got more juice. All right. Gave Mike Norvell and his staff a lot of credit because, you know, Cromanoak, he wasn't always in this position. It's not like he was a unanimous top 75 player in the country. I mean, this is a guy that they've had committed since March of last year. They did a really good job in the early identification and evaluation process, being able to spot a talent like Cromanoak. And it's been us, the rest of the market in the industry that's had to play catch up uh, on a guy like Luke Cromanoak. So, but that's an interesting one. I know the other conversation that I think is naturally going to come up with Florida State's fan base. What is his ceiling in terms of a ranking, right? And obviously, Andrew Ivins, our director of scouting, is not here. So he's a big piece of that puzzle. But I think going back to what we alluded to earlier in the conversation is there's only a handful of guys that really have, if you want to call it a top 32 ceiling, I think you can kind of put Chrome and Oak in that conversation. But you know, the guys that I look at on the outside looking in that will have more clarity, I think, come the middle of fall, probably around the October, November months. And then obviously we're going to get more and more exposure to guys like Luke Cromanoak as he received an invite to the Elite 11 finals in Los Angeles. You'll be there for that event. So will Andrew Ivins. So we'll start putting the pieces to the puzzle together. But you know, Luke Cromanoak, I think guys like Walker White from Arkansas who are committed to, to Auburn, DJ Lagway, another one of those prospects who's had a really strong offseason on the outside looking in right now. You talk about that production, a guy like Lagway, right? 10 and 10 as a starter. It's a little bit checkered. And then you look at the tools and there's a lot to like. So 
I think you can put him in that pod of three to four players at the position that say, we just don't know yet. And that, I know that might seem like a little bit of a cop-out, but Kromanok is a guy that out of those three guys, I feel really comfortable with because he's relatively new to the position. We've seen him live in terms of the live evaluation. He's checked those boxes, not only in-game, but now in person in an off-season setting. And on top of that, in terms of the production, it's been clean from a win-loss standpoint and then from a statistical standpoint as well. It, it does make you wonder. First of all, the, the jump to 66 in the country is is a big-time jump, and I think a recognition of, of his talent. 24-7 sports is, what, the highest in the industry on him, I think? So, like, that, that definitely, you know, Ivan's and, and, and the – you know, the evaluation staff are, are are kind of making a stand. I think it's probably a good stand to make here. Um, it makes you wonder, like, if he had not sat behind Gariner, if he had transferred and we had two years of data on this guy. Now, we don't know that he would have balled out as a sophomore, but I mean, what he did last year in the camp circuit was good, and then he backed it up, I, I think, for the most part this year on the field. You know, potentially he'd be even higher. I, I agree with you. I think there's a big group of guys, not a big group, but I, I a group of at least three or four who have tools that if they continue to develop could be five-star type tools. And they got to match that with the production and the consistency and the track record. Hard, but another guy that was there that I got to be quite honest, uh, was a little bit of a surprise to, to see on this list and then receive an invite to the elite 11 finals. Correct. And that's yep. Tr Trevor Jackson, right. From West orange. And then you, you pop on the tape, and you, you see the flashes. And then he was also in Orlando for Under Armour event a couple weeks ago, right, um, relatively recently. And you see him on there, and this is a guy that I am still familiarizing myself with in the process. You start to do your homework on him, hovering around 60% as a passer completion rate, over 1,500 yards passing, 16 touchdowns, seven INTs, seven and two record, 300 yards on the ground. It's okay, right? It's a little bit of muddied production there. Now, battled an injury, right? That's important for context. But in terms of you, you turn them on the tape, and really what I'm talking about here is in, in, in terms of the tape combined with the offseason exposure from a physical talent perspective, there's a lot to like. And a guy that if you look at Trevor Jackson, and I'm going to let you kind of elaborate on this a little bit more, the offer list. Akron, Appalachian State, Campbell, Charlotte, Coastal Carolina. I think Drew is in the right neighborhood. This is in his state in Florida, ranked the number 40th quarterback in the country. There's some upside there. This has a very Jackson Smolik type of feel to me. I feel like Trevor Jackson will show up at the Elite 11 finals in Los Angeles and how I was talking about Florida State being out in front on Luke Cromanoak as it compares to the recruiting industry, I think we'll see the flip there. I think this is a guy that Andrew, myself, the rest of the team will focus on over the next couple months. And I wouldn't be surprised if Trevor Jackson is one of those names that in a let's let's be honest here, in a quarterback market, depending on who you talk to is not really strong. A guy like Trevor Jackson, I think, is a guy that can break through, and then all of a sudden we're talking about him being in the mix here for some Power 5 programs that will have to pivot at some point. So um, 
kind of a couple data points on, on Trevor Jackson. I, I think the release has tightened up some, and the the the, the speed at which he throws the ball is really good. It, it's it's a nice tight spiral, nose down. He he delivers it. It looks like a college throw, which is just something. We got a little wind at this camp, which was nice because I, I I don't like it when it's just perfect conditions. I, I want to see who can actually rip the ball a little bit in the wind and, and who's got a real gun and who's got a cap gun, right? And Jackson has a real gun. Uh, take you back to last summer down at FIU. So it was Mike Norbell and uh, Old Miss's staff and Jim Harbaugh. And uh, I'm standing next to Harbaugh and he's watching these quarterbacks. And he's just staring at Jackson, man, like for a long time. And like, like just he was on him. Now, granted, Michigan just got Jaden Davis. So they're they're not going to be in the Trevor Jackson market. But like last summer, you could tell, and he, he I, you know, I'm not gonna say what he said, but like he was talking to some other guys on his staff and it's like, you know, this guy. And he, he was into Trevor Jackson last year at, at at that satellite camp down at FIU. Um, I expected Trevor Jackson to have like a big year on the field. He got rocked in their September eighth game. And I thought he was going to miss like a good bit of time. I, I, I found my DM and it was like, hey, man, keep your head up. You know, don't rush back too, too early. You know, get the ball out when you're ready. And he's like, Mr. Elliott, we're going to win districts. And came back like quick, man. So I like that. Like the guy, he seems to have some, some kind of what for about him, right? And, and came back. But like that, you know, September 10th, that's an, that's an early shot in the season to take, right? So production as far as touch and interception wasn't great um, and didn't throw for a ton of yards. Completion percentage was solid. And I think he does have some juice. I, I like that he stays on balance and he's not like one of these guys that that's a, a lunger. He, he's, he's pretty rotational. And I I would expect to see, I, I'm excited to see a healthy senior season. I, I don't get over to West Orange a lot. That's like on completely the other side of Orlando, but um, seems like a kid takes academics pretty seriously and, and somebody that i you know, I, Ivan's and I have seen this kid probably more than some other folks. And you know, eighty-seven is a pretty good grade for a guy that you know doesn't have a ton of touchdowns to his name. Named a top five of Tulane, Indiana, Pittsburgh, Appalachian State, and Florida Atlantic in late March. But I don't know what the odds are on this. But I'm going to say he's not going to end up at one of those schools. I would say Pitt and Indiana have a very strong track record for recruiting the state of Florida, right? Tom Allen was the DC at USF, has a lot of contacts in Central Florida. Pitt does a great job at USF. I so I could see him going to one of those two schools potentially because of relationships. But I definitely think he's a power five kid. Name to keep an eye on right there. Bud Elliott, all over it, putting on the scouting hat. I love it. All right. But another guy that I think NC State fans are pretty excited about that's Cedric Bailey out of Hollywood Shamanad Madonna and a guy that Spent a little bit of time studying a couple weeks ago when he popped to the NC State Wolfpack. And this is a guy that I think it's easy to put in the in the quote unquote raw bucket when you see him and you see the frame and he's six foot six and he's 185 pounds and he's just scratching the surface of his physical potential. And then you go back and you say, wait, this guy completed. Over 70% of his passes, he had over 3,300 yards passing. He had 45 touchdowns, and he only had five INTs. Now, the pushback on that will be, well, yeah, he's thrown to a generational talent in (laughs) Jeremiah Smith 
and not to mention Josiah Trader on the other side, who's just on the cusp of, of five-star status. So he's he's in a pretty good position there, but somebody's got to get those guys the football, right? Cedric Bailey is a guy that when I turned on the tape from the Under Armour Orlando camp a few weeks ago, I, I thought he was a little bit further ahead in terms of his physical development than I would have imagined. And what I mean by that is physically the tools, the arm is very live, but he's not as far off as I presumed. So I'm, I'm eager to kind of get your impressions of, of what you saw from him this weekend. And there's a good point of comparison because I, you know, I, I covered him last year at, at the same event, right? And last year I was like, Oh man, I th- this is this is pretty raw, right? Like I I, I don't know. Um, totally agree with your point in terms of who are you throwing to. And Shamanad is interesting. Like they they won the state title uh, in in one M, which is one Metro, but that's that's one A ball Metro classification. So their district competition, obviously in one M, and, and who you're playing in the playoffs is not that strong. But they did play a really strong out of conference schedule like they played Gorman they played a couple other other national teams so um man he's just a lot better than he was last year like I was like okay like and that's important just to, to make sure you see guys multiple times because if I just relied on 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 last year's data point of of eval you know like in terms of in-person eval I was like okay like not not super impressed much better uh in, in person I agree with you I mean Coop a lot of these guys say they're six six I I think he's probably like legitimately six five or six foot six. I don't I don't know what he measured in at. And there's still a lot of room for him to grow, but he just has less of that like baby deer thing going on where he just can't work th- those long levers last year. And this year he's just he's more coordinated. If you're NC State and Dave Dorn, this is where you need to live. These type of prospects, right? I mean, I think. You look at a guy like Cedric Bailey, and it's similar grade to, to what we have on a guy like Trevor Jackson, right? But the developmental upside is plus plus, yeah. right? It might be it might be unrealized upside, and and maybe this is not going to be a guy that's going to be be able to get on the field early for you. But you look at NC State's quarterback room, and a guy like MJ Morris who played a little bit last year. It's a really healthy position for him, and a really healthy room for him to step in and kind of grow organically. And I think physically it's going to be that's it's going to be a critical part for him in, in terms of his development. But he has some tools at the position that you just cannot teach. And I think that's really important to kind of keep in mind. So Cedric Bailey, I, I love that gift for NC State. I think this is going to be a guy that will continue to monitor uh, throughout his senior season. Obviously a guy that we're going to see a lot because he's playing with guys like Jeremiah Smith and Josiah Trader and the other part about this, but I mean, just the live reps, right? Him last year being able to get the live reps, be able to play with those type of playmakers on the perimeter, have the responsibility of getting those guys the football. Sometimes easier said than done. All right, one of the hottest names in college football right now. If you're a Tennessee Volunteers fan, you're pretty excited about this guy, but Jake Merklinger, not Jake Merklinger. No, it's funny, but I always get corrected by Tennessee fans. <laughs> Never in my wildest dreams did I think I'd be being corrected by a Tennessee fan on how to pronounce Nico Iamalieva. But here we are. I get it. I got I to gotta sharpen up on that. Andrew and I are always caught lacking there. Jake Merklinger, recent commit to Josh Heupel. 
in the Tennessee fans in Tennessee, excuse me, we got to see Merklinger February, I think, or early March uh, at UA Atlanta at Carrollton High School. And it was a guy that I don't think he blows you away physically. Then you turn on the tape and he's like, all right, this guy is just steady Eddie. And it's more, he's a nuanced player, right? Like the, the physical traits don't wow you, but the subtleties of the game, I think he's really good. And what I mean by that is pocket awareness, pocket navigation, being able to keep his eyes downfield. And wow, he is so poised outside of the pocket as well. There's so many things that when you turn on the tape, if you're just the hate this term, but if you're just a casual fan watching Jake Merklinger, I don't know how many things pop out to you. But if you start to study him a little bit more, the ability to buy time, the ability to play with timing, accuracy, anticipation, those type of traits get accentuated at the next level. That's that's really what I like about him. I think that's where he's really strong. So like, there's, there's kind of the three elements of speed, right? You have your read speed, your release speed, and then ball speed. And I would say the best thing he does is probably his read speed. And then his release is fairly quick. The ball speed, like if, if you stacked him up with some of the other players that we have in the top 100, the, the ball speed is not going to be an eye catcher. He didn't make eye catchers because of, of the ball speed, dude. but the ball placement, the the consistency of release. And it, like I just look at this guy as somebody who has shown that he can play the position. And I, I like the fit for Tennessee. I mean, it you could watch all 14 Tennessee games, or 13. I guess they played 13, right? Um, how many tight window throws does that offense require? It, I would say not a lot, right? Now, Joe Milton's an interesting case because he has an absolute hand cannon. But a lot of it is, do you throw the go ball well? And we, we think of the go ball as a deep throw, and it is. But it's not a, it's not a ball that needs a ton of of arm strength, right? It's it's a, an important touch element to that throw. If you watch his tape, he throws that ball well in stride, and that's like a huge part of Tennessee's offense. Can you take the top off when, when, when they go with that stack release and you got that guy who – and you're, you're stacking him because you want Jalen Hyde to be able to get that, that basically head start and not get touched and get vertical on a choice route against the safety. Can you read that out correctly, anticipate it, and lay the ball out there so he can run under it? Um, I, I thought that was – that was an impressive element to his game. Just not a lot of bad misses. He's within the strike zone consistently. And he's also a guy that like takes coaching well and quickly. You know, if, if he didn't, he was like, hey, so like you you want you want like an exaggerated hitch here or not? He just he's a guy who I think is is gonna get it. And clearly he believes in himself a lot because Tennessee just signed Nico. So there's something to that too. Second best quarterback recruiter in the country. Is that Josh Heupel outside of Lincoln Riley right now? Ryan Day might be on line one, uh, but I think Heupel is is really up. Like that's an offense guys want to play in for sure. Yeah, absolutely. How the heck did I forget about Ryan Day? All right. So, <laughs> so yeah, Tony's going to be like, bro, didn't I just do your Ryan podcast? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My access to the uh, Ohio State program might be cut off after that. All right. Josh, I'm making a case though, and we'll see how we we'll see how it pans out with Nico Iemailie. But so, but a couple other guys, and, and, and one guy that I think it's been a little bit of a mixed bag in terms of the evaluation. 
Cole Welliver from Texas in, in Argyle. And this is a guy that hey, you, you pop on the junior tape and it's like, wow, that ball really pops out. Six foot six frame, very different player that I, I would say. than a guy like Cedric Bailey, more of a traditional pocket passer. And Cedric Bailey is in that way too. I think Cedric Bailey, a little bit more athleticism and being able to climb the pocket, navigate the pocket, but traditional Cole Welliver. But that arm, I mean, he can stroke it. And that was something that you look at this guy, and, and similar to the way that you kind of view a guy like Trevor Jackson, a Cole Welliver, to me, in that same pod, right? Different players, but in that same pod of groupings that once you start to see some of these Power 5 teams start to pivot and move on, I think Cole Welliver is going to be a guy at the top of that list. So like, this is why it's important to have a, a scouting staff in all parts of the country. Right. Because, you know, who knew about this dude was Brandon Huffman. He's from Washington State and played there and then moved to the state of Texas. Right. I mean, like that Huffman got got up with them after he won the MVP at uh, at Under Armour Dallas. I I, I kind of like, you know, when I made my, my scouting sheet before I went out there, I kind of grouped some of these guys by body type. Right. Like you had a couple dudes who you just look at him. Like, OK, can these guys move well? How do they throw when they're placed? in difficult situations, like big body guys that are not major threats on the ground. Like Bailey obviously can run a little bit. I mean, he, he's, he's pretty skinny at this point, but you have, you know, some guys like, like, you know, Posse and Welliver and, and some other dudes who have that sort of very traditional six, four plus two Oh five, two ten plus type looking kids. And how do they, how do they play when, when you know, when they're just statues in a the pocket, they're going to throw strikes, man. They, they they got they got a lot of juice on the ball. It's it's going to be pretty good. I thought Welliver was the best of the big body guys when they put him in some of the uncomfortable situations. So that to me was was why he made my eye catcher's list. Um, there's definitely something to work with there. Uh, he's not you know a totally refined product, but that kind of camp I think can expose some weaknesses in some of those big guys when they have to move around quite a bit, which is a notable change from how they used to run it. Cause it used to be a lot less movement drills back in like probably, you know, 2011, 2012 ish. And then like the last five, six years, they've really made some nice changes to it. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to the 24 seven sports football recruiting podcast. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. But... Approaching the 30-minute mark, but, you know, one, one of the guys on here, and then I'll let you kind of talk about, you know, anybody else on the list that made the list, but going through the, the 2025 crop, and obviously that's where we are right now. we got to update. We'll go from top 100 to top 247 here in a couple of weeks on, on the 2025 and the top 247, but a guy that I don't want to use the L word, but a guy that I just couldn't take my, my eyes off of when I turned on the tape. And this was the same after I saw him live over a year ago, I think, in, in Miami at the Under Armour camp. Austin Simmons from Pahokee. I'm a huge fan. Lefty, 
quick twitch. He's got the baseball feel in the pocket, like the feet and the athleticism, the twitch, the way he moves. But not the long delivery of a baseball guy. The ball's out quick. And out of the guys that we've seen recently, I know you and I were in, in Ivan's as well, kind of talking about you were sending us some uh, some data on, on Julian Sane, one of the top arms in, in 2024. In terms of Austin Simmons, his ability to get that ball out quickly and accurately, there's a camp that over the last year that he went to that, man, they, they, they put him through a lot of drills. And they had that one where the, the soccer goal is – you know, maybe 10 yards in front of them, right? And you got to be able to layer that football and you you got to move outside of the pocket. I mean, this is a guy in terms of the short or intermediate part of the field in terms of accuracy, like that's his game. And, you know, we, we talk about that word a lot, like command. He has a complete command of that position. And this is a guy that he's a three-level thrower. I think one of the most underrated aspects of playing the quarterback position is being able to change ball speeds and velocity. We've seen a lot of quarterbacks in the past that sure they have the arm talent, but they really struggle to take a little bit off of it. They really struggle to play with touch that consistent ball placement. You watch this kid. That is no issue whatsoever. I mean, you talk about the base baseball background, as you alluded to in your, your article almost touched 94 miles per hour on the mound. Right? So the physical arm talent is there, but, I'm a huge fan of Austin Simmons. We haven't even really had to have that conversation yet in 2025 about where he fits. But, man, can he play the position. So I, I talked to him after he got done with, with some of the testing stuff they do. And I was like, hey, are, how good of a baseball prospect are you? Right. Um, and he's like, well, I, I did throw 93.6 and strike out 10 American Heritage hitters last week. Okay, American Heritage obviously typically a very good baseball team. So I was like, that that's uh, that'll work, man. He, I, I thought he was the best twenty twenty five there. Uh, I've seen this guy since he was a freshman. Um, shoot, maybe maybe since the eighth grader. Like I feel like I've seen him a lot for a guy who's still a twenty five, and he, he's filled out. I think he's got a little bit taller. He's not like a six four dude, but he's not one of these. Hey, I say I'm you know six two, but I'm actually Five eleven and a half. I think he's you know he's definitely over six foot tall. He's filled out the frame some. Uh, sometimes with baseball guys, they're they're a little bit longer with their release, depending on what they do. Like pitchers, outfielders, sometimes are a little bit longer of a football release. Third baseman catchers typically are you know more more football type release, but he doesn't seem too elongated in it, right? Like it does it like you said, it, it gets out quick. It, it's an efficient delivery. Um, I know that our Blake Alderman uh, from Swamp 24-7 put in a crystal ball to the Gator. So Billy Napier, uh, if that comes true, uh, help maybe later today or, or, or this week, uh, that would be huge for Florida, I think, to get him in the boat. And uh, yeah, I thought he was very good on the day. Relevant for a couple different reasons. That's why you have a producer, producer Lance Gain. Thank you very much. Austin Simmons, number 66 quarterback, excuse me, number 66 player. In 2025, number six, signal caller. He is committing today, bud, at 11 a.m. Eastern time. Austin Simmons out of Pahokee. The crystal ball reads 100% Florida in the Gators. So I'll tell you what, DJ Lagway in 2024, potentially Austin Simmons here in 2025. There is a weak spot 
in Florida's operation in year one, it, it, it's probably probably the vulnerability of the quarterback position. I think that's pretty safe to say. What they've done surrounding that position, I think they've done a very good job. Good quality of talent. I love the way that they've identified. I love the way that they have relied on the state of Florida. I think they signed, could be wrong here, but north of 20 players in, in 2023, 14 of them were from the Sunshine State. It was a very like traditional thought process. Yeah. Like it, it, it was more area recruiting to when we were back at Alabama in 2014, and that's, that's the way we recruited until the floodgates kind of opened up nationally. Right now, you've seen a lot of teams pivot towards that. And I think Billy Napier, especially when you're in a state like Florida, along with Texas, every year that are going to put out the most in terms of talent representation in the top 247, makes a ton of sense for you to to be able to say, hey, let's let's really kind of put all our time and our resources invested into our home state. And then if you can go to Alabama and grab a guy like Kelby Collins, then I think you got a little bit of a recipe there. So the reason you take the job is in the name, Florida, right? <laughs> like you want to be like, what better state is there to recruit? Once in a while, Georgia or Texas will sneak up there. You know, like two, you know a decade ago, California would sneak up there, but generally Florida is going to have the most four and five star prospects in the nation. And that's why you want the job, right? It, it, it's, or it should be if you're doing it right. Big year for Billy Napier and the boys. I mean, you want to see him to put it together because now you can you can start to see the vision a little bit. Guy like Lagway, potentially Austin Simmons here. Maybe we'll find out in a couple hours, but long way to go on that one. That being said, I mean, those are two really talented arms at the quarterback yeah. position that if you're a Florida fan, you should be really excited about. All right, but a couple other guys I would commit. Is it James Reeser? Glad I got that pronunciation right from Jacksonville, Florida. As Andrew Ivins would say, he he will do anything at all costs to avoid this word when describing a player, but intriguing, right? And I think that's that's pretty fair when you're looking at a guy like James Reeser, his size, physical arm talent, can run a, a sub-1100 meter guy as well. Mechanically a little bit. All right, Coop, you're going to like this. On my sheet, I wrote barbecue, BBQ, low and slow on the delivery. It's real low, and it's not super quick, but the ball does come out nice. The He's quarterback that I'm thinking of that was started at Mississippi State and transferred to Syracuse. Garrett Trader. I could see that. Athletic profile-wise. Who's that? Reeser? Reeser just ran 10-5. Hey, at worst, you got a tight end. Look, he also, he was fairly productive. I mean, 66%, almost 2,000 yards. Obviously, a guy that runs 10-5 is going to run the ball a pretty good bit at, in, in high school. 16-6 um, to six touchdown-interception ratio. You like to see that improve a little bit. Generally accurate. Uh, as you would expect, he handled the, the mobility drills quite well. Um, there are some guys that succeed with uh, unique deliveries, and I, I, I don't. I, I think it's kind of hard to completely overhaul somebody's delivery, and I'm not necessarily sure you have to here. 
you could probably just tweak it some, you know? Um, yeah. It's, it's, one of, it's one of those things that I hate to say it, even at this point, you can have success at the collegiate level. Yes. I think you'll probably see a position change when it comes to Sundays. Especially yeah, I mean, when you're we'll talking about it, a 6'4 four athlete that runs 10'5". Yeah. I'm just thinking, like, who who's the last quarterback that you can think of in the NFL with a very, like, slow and methodical release? Byron Leftwich, But it's not that slow. But And, and, and Leftwich was more over the top. Right, more elongated with like a three-fourths like round motion. Uh, yeah, I mean, when Mahomes does it, it's on purpose, right? It's because he's he's having to like stop his delivery and and, and sidearm that thing to to get around somebody. It's not that's not the default delivery. Um, <laughs> Mahomes is a completely different conversation. Yeah, yeah there. exactly. But you get the point. I'm not trying to take anything away from him. We'll, we'll see what happens with James Reeser. An intriguing uh, a, intriguing addition, I would say, for Iowa. All right, bud, before we get out of here, a couple other names in 2025, 2026 that pop for you. Feel free to mention any of them right now, ones that you like, ones that we should be aware of going forward. Sure. So just quickly here, um, Carter Smith at Bishop Verreau, uh, which is in my hometown of Fort Myers, was a, a guy a lot of people liked uh, as a baseball prospect. Apparently, I talked to him. He said he's not playing baseball anymore. He's just going to focus on football. Um, skinny, 6'3", 6'4", looking guy. Has some room to fill out. Kind of a whippy delivery and has some early interest from Florida, NC State, uh, Louisville, UCF, Miami. So a guy I think will continue to monitor right on, on the camp circuit and as he plays his junior season. And then this guy I didn't know a lot about, um, Will Wilson out of South Carolina. I thought uh, he's a pretty built-up guy, athletic dude, threw the ball fairly well. Uh, I assume he's a pretty smart guy because he's wearing a Duke Blue Devils towel uh, and, and holds an offer from Duke, Arkansas, NC State, Penn State. Uh, probably about six foot even if I had if I had to guess on on it. Like I, I don't have data from Elite Eleven, so I'm having to eyeball these guys. Uh, but just in, in the line, like. I think Simmons is a little bit taller than Wilson, and Carter uh, and Smith is a little taller than than Simmons. So just if you put them in order, they kind of had all three guys lined up. It's nice when it's convenient like that, right? Like, okay, so he's taller than him. He's a little taller than him, and you know, and then a couple guys that say they're six foot are like actually five eight. Like, and you are five eight. So, yeah, my I thought he was about, solid. My favorite part about San Antonio is just when I actively have to serve as the Grinch. At the height weight check-in. Oh, man. And it's like these guys that have been going to these college campuses and they're ranked really high. And it's like, God, who was it this past? Pierce Sperlin, who I really like, who's a really who's a really funny kid. But he came in and he was like, yeah, you know, I'm six foot six. And I'm like, yeah, you know, like whisper under my breath to Gabe Brooks, who's like, you know, doing the, uh, he's the one scribing at that point. And I'm like, He's six foot four and a half. <laughs> He's like, what's up, dude? I'm six foot six everywhere I've been for the last six months or however long. And then you get in and it's like, yeah, it's not actually the case. Not Talk yet. about feeling insecure. You're like, wow, I hope I have this right. Oh, dude, for sure. I So without shoes, I'm six one and seven eighths, right? So I was like, if I'm standing next to you, 
and Ivans goes and looks and Bud's taller than you, you're not six four. Like generally that that's kind of how math works. Uh, so, you know, which is solid. My buddy w- was coaching at Tennessee and they had a, you know, those, those bus tours that come around and they make their guys take their shoes off to get high weight. Did you at, at, at Bama or, or Michigan or Washington or Oregon, did you guys make them take their socks off too? Never took the socks off. We, so they we were, said take the shoes off. But the other part about this, before you even get started here, we were so – there had been a couple instances where we had gotten blowback and it legitimately just kind of like put a damper in a visit that we're just like, you know what, give them the half inch. I hate that so much. A microcosm of society is like you, you can't – we can't even tell you how tall you are. But oh that – I mean, that was – that was the world that we're living in, you know. Oh, All right, go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. So, so my, my buddy, uh, he caught these guys. They would take the liner of their shoe and roll it real tight and tuck it in under the heel, under the sock, because they knew this. They knew Tennessee would make you take your shoes off. He goes, so I, I caught these guys doing it, and so from then on, if I was doing height weight, I'd look real close to their socks, or I'd make them take their socks off, right? Because you can get like if you roll the liner of your shoe pretty high, like it's almost like wearing like a built-in heel under the sock. At that point, just give it to them. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, that's a that's an A plus for effort. I haven't even heard that. All right, bud, let's get you out of here, man. I know you're a busy dude. I appreciate you coming by, man. We should do this more often. Shit, man, enjoyed it. Hey, good news! If you're a fan of the twenty four seven sports football recruiting podcast, we are up fifty five percent month over month. I think last month we were 74 percent i gotta double check that i I don't want to give fake news on here but 55 percent this month very excited about that if you're a fan of the show and you enjoy some guests we've had some great guests lance erline bruce feldman on the media side we've also had mario cristobal kaylin DeBoer, mark pantoni from ohio state we've had some really really good episodes we got a new guest tomorrow as well. That's going to be Andrew Ivins hosting that one back in the saddle. Going to let him get his feet wet. But we're excited about that. Doing a lot of good things here at 24-7 Sports. Also, if you're a fan of the show, make sure you subscribe wherever you find your podcast. Apple, Spotify, wherever. Need a review as well. We love it. Love the constructive criticism. But for Bud Elliott and Lance Gann, I'm National Recruiting Analyst for the Titan. We will see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening.